We're finishing up this series on forgiveness today, and each week, as we've been going through this, talking about forgiveness the past few weeks, we've mentioned a parable of the prodigal son that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And if you remember this parable, if you've ever heard it, if you're familiar with this, there's this, this dad, there's this father, he has two sons, the youngest son comes to him, and he takes his share of his inheritance, a third of his father's estate, he runs off to a foreign country, he blows all of it on wild living, and he becomes destitute. He's at the bottom of, you know, the, the end of his rope, the, the bottom of his barrel, and it's at this point where he wakes up, and I don't know why it is that we wait till we get to the end of the rope before we wake up, but we do, and no, he, he gets to this point he comes to the realization that how he is living life right now is not the way it is meant to be, but he would be better off even if he was just a servant of his father's. And so he comes up with a plan. He said he's going to go back. He's going to ask his dad to take him on as a hired servant. And so he goes home. Story tells us that the dad was watching, the father was watching. He sees his son coming down the lane. The father runs out to him, wraps his, his arms around him, and his son says, Father, I am sorry I have sinned. Please forgive me. Take me on as one of your hired servants. Now, the dad would have nothing to do with that. He brought him back, but he restored him to full sonship, and he threw the biggest party imaginable. I mean, it was a big party celebrating his son's return back to him. That ends the story. Happily ever after, right? Have you ever wondered what happened after the story? Have you ever happened, you know, wondered what happened next in that? The son returned home. He received forgiveness, but did his life change? Did he change? I mean, he wasn't happy at home before. What makes us think he would be happy at home now? He had treated his father poorly before. What makes us think that he would treat his dad even differently now? Would he be able to forgive himself for taking a third of his father's estate and just blowing it all? Would he be able to live forgiven? Well, that's a question we're asking today. We're going to ask this about ourselves today. Am I living forgiven? Am I living my life this way? Have I received God's forgiveness in my life? And if I have done that, am I living like I have received God's forgiveness in my life? Is it showing in my life? Has my life been changed? Has it been transformed? Let's look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 4. This is on your listening guide. If you want to look, it'll be on the screen too. It says, God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven all our sins. We didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. There's nothing that we can do to, you know, we can't be good enough to receive this. All we have to do is believe what Jesus did for us on the cross. Believe that his sacrifice was enough to forgive our sins. We ask for that forgiveness and that our sins are removed. They are gone. The Bible tells us that it is Jesus' death that removes a sin in our life, that stands as a barrier between us and God. That is how our relationship with God is restored. Now let's look at this next verse on your listening guide. This is one that we mention around here quite a bit. It's 1 John 1, verse 9. And you know, this is one of the things that we have to do to get God's forgiveness, to open that door so we can receive God's forgiveness in our lives. 
It says if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and he cleanses us from every wrong because of what Jesus did on the cross. We ask for forgiveness. He will wipe the slate completely clean. It is gone, just like with the prodigal son. But what happens next? You see, here's, here's my big fear here. I believe that in reality, most people, including a lot of Christians, you know, we aren't living forgiven. We don't live our life that way. Even if we do accept God's forgiveness, we don't change. There's no change in our life. We walk around with a lot of dead weight on our shoulders, on our backs, a lot of baggage that we're carrying around in our life because we didn't really receive his forgiveness. Now, we understand forgiveness. We understand it up here, but we haven't accepted it in reality in our hearts. And as a result, we walk around with a lot of extra baggage, this dead weight, this garbage that we have needlessly in our lives. So today, what I want us to do is I want to look at God's cure for our heart problem, for the problems that, that we have. What should happen in our lives when we receive God's forgiveness? Today's going to be a time of self-reflection. This is something, you know, every Sunday hopefully is. You know, we try to give you something that you can apply to your life and make a difference in your life right now. Today, we're going to do that literally. Okay, if you, if, you, if you look at your listening guide, if you've looked ahead, you see that each time after each point, you know, there's a scale of 1 to 10 there. I'm going to ask you to evaluate yourself on this, on each point as we go through. And hopefully by the time we get to the end, you're able to shed some light on these certain areas in your life and get rid of some of this baggage that you've possibly brought in with you today. So when I am living forgiven, God, he wants to replace these burdens. There's five of them we're going to talk about, these five heavy burdens that we carry around in our life. And here's the first burden that God wants to replace. That is the burden of doubt. The burden of doubt. Now, this baggage is filled with all the doubts about myself, about others, and also about God. Now, doubt is defined this way. This, this is how we're looking at doubt in this context here. It is defined as an uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision-making. An uncertainty of belief that interferes with decision-making. So doubt here is it's being so uncertain about what I believe that I am unable to make you know, any kind of decisions about the future without doubt interfering and affecting me that way. Let me give you an example. Let's say you're at work and you're offered a promotion. But that promotion, it requires you to step up to another level of work and you're afraid of you know, what's going to come with that. You doubt your abilities. And so you say, well, you know, uh, I'm not going to take this promotion. I'm not going to do this. Or let's say this. Let's say you're at a certain job, you're at a certain pay level, you got this certain, you know, this certain pay that you're getting, but you feel that God is calling you on to something different. You feel that he's calling you on to another job that's going to be more fulfilling, it will be more rewarding to you, but you can't see how you're going to make it work financially. 
in your life. Even though you know God wants you to do this, you have, in reality, what you're having is doubts that God will take care of you. So you pass up that job thinking that you will just stay where there's you know, stability and you know, with a higher paying job because of doubt. President Roosevelt, he said this, the only limit to our realization of tomorrow will be our doubts about today. So this bag here, this, this burden of doubts, you know, it's full of these doubts about ourselves, about our ability, you know, what we believe about ourselves, our intellect, my doubt about others, even doubts like, does God really care about me? Will God really take care of me? And a lot of people are carrying this weight around in their life. But God wants to replace that with certainty. God wants to replace it with certainty. He doesn't want you to live your life wondering if, you know, if does he really love you? Is forgiveness really forever? You know, is that forgiveness really there in my life? He wants to replace it with certainty. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 17 and 18, it says this, I will never again remember your sins and lawless deeds. Now, when sins have been forgiven, there is no need to offer any more sacrifices. There is no need to do anything else once you have received forgiveness. When God steps in and gives you forgiveness, it's done. It is complete. So let's evaluate yourself. As I said, there's that scale of 1 to 10. I want you to look at that. Rate yourself on this. You know, how much doubt do you have in your life you know, about being forgiven? Let's, let's start there. 1 means I have a lot of doubt. 10 means I have very little doubt. Okay, so I want you to be honest with yourself about this. Nobody else is going to see it unless somebody peeks at your paper. But, you know, be honest about this. You know, how much doubt do you have? How much doubt do you have with your relationship with God that he will take care of you? How much doubt do you got there? So the first weight in your life is doubt. Then we have, number two, we have the burden of guilt. The second weight in our life is that we deal with guilt a lot of times that we've experienced from our own, you know, our past experiences, things that's happened to us, our past mistakes, the past sins that we have. And this is what guilt is, okay? Guilt is knowing that you've messed up. It's knowing that you've screwed something up and you're experiencing blame on yourself for that mistake. But here's the bad thing about guilt. Okay, here's, here's the deal with, with guilt. Guilt always comes attached with another emotion. Guilt's evil twin, you know what it is? It's shame. Guilt's evil twin is shame. It's, it's a humiliating emotion that we experience that makes you feel badly about yourself. It makes you feel less of yourself. And so many of us, what we're doing is we're carrying around this bag filled with guilt and, build, and filled with shame over mistakes in our past. Well, there's mistakes in relationships. 
times that we've turned away from God, you know, when, when we've screwed up that way, things that we're embarrassed, embarrassed about, you know, things that we have messed up, no matter what we do, no matter what we try to do to get rid of this, it is, it is heavy on us. It is weighing down on us. We're not able to feel pure or to feel clean because of this guilt about things that's happened to us in our past. Now, either we haven't asked God for forgiveness or we have done that and we don't feel forgiven by God. We haven't accepted that into our life because we haven't been able to forgive ourselves. And we talked about this at a prior lesson in this series. You can go online and listen to it if, if you choose to do that. We got into more detail about that. But what happens is we end up carrying this burden around in our life a lot of times. Maybe you're overwhelmed this morning. Maybe you feel like the psalmist did in, psalmist, in Psalm 38, verse 4, where it says, My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. For a lot of people, this is the heaviest bag that they carry around in life. This is the heaviest burden here. It's almost too heavy for them to bear. But God doesn't want you carrying this around. Life is not meant to be lived this way, to be think, carrying this thing around with us. But what God wants to do is he wants to replace it with peace. God wants to replace it with peace. And let's get this straight here, okay? Well, I don't want there to be any misunderstanding about this. God is not the source of guilt and shame. He is not the source of that. A lot of people think that guilt and shame, are, they're, that they're weapons that God uses to get them to do things that God wants them to do. Like God puts us on a holy guilt trip sometimes. A lot of people, they don't like to come to church because they come to church and then they go out feeling guilty and badly about themselves, but they think that's what God wants them to feel like. But guilt and shame does not come from God. Guilt and shame, it does appear when we turn away from God, when we step outside of God's will, when we turn our back on Him, because, you know, guilt, it's a natural consequence that comes when we, when we do things like that. So if you're feeling guilt and shame this morning, if you have these things in your life, it's a red flag. It's a red flag that's waving. It's saying something's not right. You're outside of God's will. You need to look around. You need to evaluate yourself. You need to, you know, get things back in line. But guilt is not from God. He's not going to sit up there in heaven and go, okay, he's full of guilt now. That doesn't work that way. That's not how God is. He wants you to experience no guilt. He wants you to experience no shame. But he wants you to have his peace. And that means freedom from these oppressive thoughts that we have, these self-defeating thoughts that we have that cause us guilt that we might have in our life. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 39. It says, Everyone who believes in him is free from all guilt and declared right with God. God removes the guilt and shame. He takes that stuff out of your life, and it should be completely gone. When God's peace comes into our life, we lay down the guilt we lay down the shame. So for this second area here of guilt, with God replacing that with his peace, grade yourself on this. 
How much guilt do you experience from the past? from things that, that have happened to you in the past. If you've experienced a lot of guilt and you're feeling that right now, it's going to be a low number. Be down towards the left-hand side. If you don't experience much, and it will be a high number. But be honest again and evaluate yourself on that one. Now, if you're not doing it, don't feel guilty, okay? Do it in your mind if you don't actually want to write it down. Let's talk about the third bag. Third, ba third piece of baggage that we carry around with us, it's another destructive burden. It's just something else that's really bad that we carry around, and it's the bag that is filled with grudges that we hold against other people. This is the baggage that's filled with hurt feelings, with anger, with resentment, with hateful thoughts that we have towards another person who we think has harmed us in the past. Now, carrying around this bag of grudges, it can be very destructive to us in our, in, in our life because we get consumed by this grudge. It takes over our entire life when we hold on to that anger towards somebody who has hurt us in the past. And what happens in reality when we hold this grudge and we keep this grudge is it ends up hurting us. It ends up hurting ourselves because we don't let it go and it becomes a burden. Unfortunately, a lot of people, they hold on to that grudge, but it never hurts the other person. It never, ever hurts them. They might not even know that you're upset at them. They might not know that you're holding a grudge towards them. It doesn't bring relief. It doesn't bring a sense of satisfaction. It just brings torment. No, it brings bad feelings. God doesn't want that for you. God wants to replace it with freedom. The only way that you and I can have true freedom is by letting that other person completely go releasing them entirely from having to say, I'm sorry, releasing them from the possibility, and this is a tough one, from the possibility of any sort of revenge that you might want to take out on them. No, you release them from all that kind of stuff, and that is the only way that you can get rid of this burden here, this baggage that we're carrying around. And you need to remember, if, you're, if you have this grudge, you're the one carrying the weight. It's not them. Look at Colossians 3.13. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Why do they have to say that? There it is, right there in the Bible. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Why? Because your life, your freedom depends upon you releasing those grudges from not holding on to them anymore. So today is the day for you to release the weight of that grudge that you might have in your life. You let go, experience God's freedom, experience His forgiveness by letting this stuff go. So let's take a moment and evaluate yourself on this one. Now, how much do you hold on to grudges? If you hold on to grudges a lot, it's going to be a low number. If you don't, then it's going to be a high number. Again, be honest with yourself and write that down.
The fourth burden is the burden of regret. A lot of us, we have regret about past mistakes, missed opportunities, things that have happened to us in our life that we wish we could go back and, and change. There is nothing that you can do by thinking about it. There's nothing that you can change by replaying the thing over and over and over again in your mind. But a lot of times it's just there, and we keep replaying it over and over and over again. And you know that you're carrying around this weight of regret if you're always thinking things like, I wish I had. If only I would have done this, or I should have. Then you know that you have this burden of regret. But regret, just like guilt, is not from God. Instead, God wants to replace our regret with hope. He wants to replace it with hope. Let's look at our suggested memory verse for the week. If you want to memorize a verse, this is one we're suggesting. It's Romans 4, verse 7. It says, Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. This verse says that past mistakes, that missed opportunities, they are put out of sight when we are forgiven. They are no longer remembered. We don't, have to, we don't have to worry about it. We don't have to dwell on them anymore. God's not going to hold them against us. We don't have to punish ourselves about it anymore. Now, why can we do this? Now, what, what, what makes this possible? Because with God's forgiveness, second chances, third chances, fourth chances, or if you're like me, you know, 250th chances, Somewhere, somewhere around there, probably even a little more. Other possibilities, you know, about of the future of hope, the things God has in store for us, that is what God deals with. That is what God wants to work with in your life. There are no dead ends with God. Alexander Graham Bell, he once said that when one door closes, another door opens. We've heard that before. He took it a little bit further, and he said, but what happens is we stand and we look so regretfully at the door that is closed that we don't even see this door that is open, this other door of new opportunities. So don't spend so much time looking back in regret about missed opportunities, about past mistakes, that you miss the endless possibilities that God has for you that is opening up right in front of you. Now remember, regret, you know, it's, it's worthless because it can't change what happened if, if we do that. So I have to look forward. So I have to stop saying, you know, what if? If you find yourself saying what if a lot of times, don't, don't play the what if game because it's only going to make you miserable. The best way to remove this weight of regret in your life and to keep it from happening again in your life is to not look back at the closed doors, but to look forward for the open ones that God is putting there in front of you for these other opportunities and for these possibilities that he has. So let's evaluate yourself on this one. How much regret do you have in your life? If you've got a lot of regret, it's going to be a low number. If you have very little regret, it's going to be a high number. So how do you deal with this burden of regret.
Now this final piece of baggage that we're going to look at, it's one that a lot of us carry around. It's one of the heaviest ones that many people carry around, and that is the burden of fear. This is being afraid to step out into the future. We are afraid of the future. We're afraid to walk through that open door that God has for us. So we stand and regret, we regretfully stare at the closed door. But we're afraid of the, of the future. We're afraid of looking foolish a lot of times. We're afraid of not being successful in our careers. We're afraid of what our financial situation is going to be like. We're afraid of commitment a lot of times. We're afraid of not finding Mr. or Mrs. Wright. We're afraid of losing our marriage. We're afraid of death. We're afraid of growing old. We're afraid of all sorts of things. We have a lot of fear in our life, and it can become so heavy when we allow that to grow. And sometimes what happens is we, we're afraid of small things that seem, you know, like they're not anything of consequence. But we're afraid of these little things, and then worry comes in. And when worry comes in, it makes little things have huge shadows and so we become afraid of even more things in our life, and fear becomes a natural state for us. God did not create you to be afraid. God doesn't want you to live in fear. But what God wants to do is he wants to replace it with courage. He wants to replace it with courage. Do you know what courage is? You know what that is? Courage is not the absence of fear, but courage is moving ahead in spite of the fear. I mean, if, if you're doing something and you aren't afraid, that doesn't take courage. You're just doing it. You know, it, it doesn't take bravery. The only time that you can be courageous, the only time that you can be brave is when you are afraid of something. Now, this tells us something. It tells us it's not wrong to be afraid. It's not wrong to be afraid. We're going to be fearful sometimes. We're going to be afraid of things in our life. But what is wrong is when we live in a constant state of fear. That is when it becomes a problem. And what fear does more than anything else that we've talked about this morning, and these other bags that we carry around, is fear paralyzes us. It paralyzes. It keeps you from moving into the future that God has for you. It keeps you from taking that next step that you know you should be taking. And we are afraid. And so we stay in our comfort zone, our seemingly comfort zone, because we think that is the safest place to be. Now you might be thinking, well, how does God's forgiveness, how does it help here? You know, how does it help me overcome my fear? No, this is how. Whenever God asks you to do something, when he asks you to move out from where you are, out of your comfort zone, to a place that you've never been, a place that you're unfamiliar with, you know, you might be afraid of doing that, but, you know, he wants to give you courage so that you can move out. You don't have to be paralyzed with fear because you know God is going to take care of you. You know God is going to be there. And when you fall down, which you probably will, God will help you up. When you mess up, which you probably will, God will forgive you. When you succeed, which you probably will, then God will move you on to a new 
adventure. He will help you to continually grow. So where is God asking you today to step outside of your comfort zone? Where is he asking you to step out? Let's talk spiritually here for a second. Maybe it's to be baptized. Maybe it's to become an official partner. Maybe it's to join a life group, to be part of, you know, part of a life group. Maybe it is inviting a friend or a family member or a coworker to come with you to Freedom Ridge for the very first time. And I want to tell you, next week would be a great opportunity because we're going to be doing our first part of the Freedom Ridge summer tour. We won't be meeting here, but we'll be meeting at a park in Gilbert. And it's just a laid-back time. We're starting at a, at a later time. The directions are in the program for you, so you can find it. But this would be a great chance, a great opportunity for you to bring someone with you. No pressure. We're just going, we're going to have an abbreviated service, very short service, and then we're going to cook out. We're going to cook some food and eat some food and play some games and just visit and just hang out and have a good time. So this would be a great time for you to bring someone. So be thinking about someone that you can invite to come with you next week to be part of our summer tour. It'd be a great opportunity to step outside of your comfort zone and not just to think about yourself, not just to keep Freedom Ridge to yourself, but to share it and God's freedom with other people. But whatever it is God is wanting you to do, take that step. When you take that step, that's something that you are afraid of. What you are doing is you are attacking that fear. You are attacking that. And when you do something that you are afraid of doing, you're taking that burden off of yourself. You're laying it aside. You're allowing God to replace it with courage. And you're stepping out into a future of hope and promise. You're being courageous. You're opening up your life for all that God has for you. Look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. On a scale of 1 to 10, now how much fear do you live with? If it's not very much fear, it's going to be a high number. If you live with, you know, a lot of fear, then it's going to be a, a low number there. But be honest and evaluate yourself. Write that number down. Doubt, guilt, grudges, regret, fear, these are all symptoms of living unforgiven. There are weights that we carry around, or things that God wants to replace, but they become so heavy a lot of times because we want to hold on to them because we're not accepting God's forgiveness. They keep us from being where we need to be. They can rob us of life. So I want to ask you, why continue carrying those things around? Why continue having them? Why do we feel the need to carry them around? God wants to replace them in our life. And if you have accepted or you're willing to accept God's forgiveness in your life, then you just lay those things down 
release those five burdens, and then accept what God has for you, replace it with something positive. But don't go around carrying the weight. You don't have to carry it around. If you pull out your PR sheet, let's look at the back of that. There's a section on the back of your PR sheet called My Next Step. And again, these, these will help you, you know, think about what we've talked about today and apply these things to your life. But if you want to memorize a memory verse or try to memorize it, then you know, mark that box there. Say, I'll try my best to memorize this verse. What burden do you seem to carry most? If you want to be honest and mark something down there, then feel free to do that. We're not going to take this and post it on the website. No, we're not going to post it on the screen next time and say, you know, please pray for this person because they deal with fear a lot of times. We're not going to do that. Okay, this is just another way for you to, you know, kind of visualize the burden that you carry the most. And then what are you going to do with it? Are you going to hang on to it? Or are you going to let it go? And if you want Jesus to be the leader of your life, if you haven't stepped across that line yet, but you want him to be the leader of your life so that you can release these things, then that next box is for you. If you've already have Jesus as the leader of your life, but you've been AWOL, then that next box is for you that says, I'm recommitting my life to him as my leader. But don't go around carrying the weight. Okay, life's too short. It's too short to, you know, keep these things onto our shoulders. So seek God's forgiveness today. Just a few moments, we'll have a time of communion, and this is something that we do every week here at Freedom Ridge. And, you know, this is something that we do to, you know, actually remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us so that all of this forgiveness that we've been talking about is possible. Okay, this is the ultimate forgiveness, the big forgiveness that makes all the other forgiveness possible that we can have in our life. So if you if you've have Jesus as the leader of your life, you're more than welcome to take part in communion today as it is passed. You can just take the little piece of bread in the cup and keep it with you then take it on your own time if you don't want to take it don't feel obligated to do that we just want to make it available to you and after that we'll take up an offering and if you're visiting with us don't feel obligated to give but what we do ask is uh, just take your PR sheet if you haven't filled it all the way out yet you can fill out the front of that you still have a little bit of time and then everybody you can just put your PR sheet in the offering bag as it is passed okay let's pray